On this episode of Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge podcast from Scoop News Group, why IT works differently in higher ed. Mainly because, I mean, I've been in higher ed close to 40 years now. Uh, higher ed is quite different than an industry side. There is so much need that people have in functional areas for IT folks in, that need to exist. This is Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge podcast. Every other Tuesday, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher ed IT and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening across the community. Online education provider 2U is planning major payroll and marketing budget cuts to counter declining enrollment in online learning. The company will undergo, quote, radical changes, executives say, in order to boost profit. Those changes will involve reorganizing its business around its edX online learning platform. A migration to a hybrid cloud data center is underway at the University of South Carolina. The migration will open up more opportunities for virtualization and cut down on downtime, University CIO Doug Foster says. The hybrid cloud data center also will eliminate a lot of the university's, quote, big lumpy purchases of IT hardware. Southern University and A&M College System is moving its learning management system to Canvas. The historically black university system will make the move from a consolidated Moodle environment. The implementation timeline is still in the planning stages. You can find all these stories and more on edscoop.com and in today's show notes. Texas Tech University is working with Salesforce on a massive effort to streamline its customer relationship management efforts, which will touch on several different university priorities, including student experience and student success. The effort is already underway. The university used it for recruiting and enrollment during the early stages of the pandemic. Since the initial implementation, enrollment at the university is growing and has now surpassed 40,000 students. I spoke with Texas Tech CIO Sam Segrin about the project and how its data management will pull different parts of the university together over the next several months. Coming back after the uh, the pandemic, uh, you know, even though BA.5 and 4 are on the upswing right now, but generally we are back in normal operations um, face-to-face, but the biggest piece that we're looking at is about student enrollment and student success. I mean, that's a big one for us. So if you look at all of the <clears throat> different dozen projects that I have big initiatives, that's top of the line right now. In the last year, uh, we we have partnered with uh, Salesforce to build out an overall uh, from enrollment management to having a student success hub and, and a follow-up after that. So it's a massive amount of work that's going into that. Uh, a lot of my folks, a lot of other areas from the provost area, from the marketing area, from the enrollment management area, a lot of groups. This is one of the largest projects we've had for a while. So it's going to be a long project, even though we are on a, on a fast track to get it up and going by spring next year. And you know we've been doing different types of initiatives with different providers and different tools, but working with Salesforce, the hope is that we will tie into a lot more data sources that we did not have access to before and also provide a platform for decision-making for all of the academic administrators, advisors, uh, ultimately for the student success piece. So that's that's a big one. And then kind of uh, tying off with that a little bit is a lot of work that we've already been doing internally, which is a lot of data integrations tying in the data sources and that's my team is doing that internally and and that one of that pieces helps the salesforce project but it also helps a lot of other areas it provides data uh, sources from different areas for advancement activities yeah, it can also give uh, data for 
dashboards for decision making for the provost and academic administration for research. Uh, and now we're working with our diversity, equity and inclusion VP for their area. So uh, it's one of those things over the years, you know, it's not by design, but organically in any higher education institution, folks are always trying to do the best they can for what they do. But there are so many areas, the data resides in so many areas, trying to bring it all together only to the point where the data is relevant. And so that's that's a, a fair amount of work that we're putting into that. The um, the other one we're working on is not full swing yet, but uh, for research initiatives at, uh, in US because of uh, DOD requirements, uh, we have to go with a NIST 800-171 type uh, restrictions on some of the areas of control that DOD wants to have over research that involves their data. <clears throat> so. Uh, you might have heard the term CMMC. Uh, so that that's an area that we're working on to stand up a, a small uh, type of environment that we can scale. And we're working with Microsoft and Azure solutions for that uh, and working with the VPRs area. Uh, and of course, we also have to beef up some of the security staff along with that. So, but security staff have been beefed up more than that uh, for a lot of the other activities that need to happen on campus. So it's a fair number of security initiatives that are also underway. Um, part of that that's more public is the phishing simulator piece of it uh, to, so that folks can learn how to protect themselves. Ultimately, uh, it turns out, you know, everything everybody has known over the years that uh, humans are still the biggest target. They're the soft target. Uh, and and it's, it's also a changing uh, group in a higher ed environment when you have a turnover rate into a few thousand. I mean, every time you graduate five, six thousand, and you get another five, six thousand coming in, uh, that's that's a changing environment. So you have to constantly keep people updated on what the newest threats are out there. Uh, coming off the pandemic, one big one uh, that we probably have been we grappled with this before, but the pandemic brought it up, and I think it's a worldwide issue, which is really about employment, about employees, about skills, about recruitment, about retention. So uh, as, as more and more uh, companies have gone to either total remote work or hybrid of some form, uh, generally what you see in higher education, in, in government areas, those were generally the last to follow that. Private industry had been leading that way in some form or fashion. You've been one of those that have worked remote for many years. Uh, but I think bringing, bringing some of that into the normal workforce, because now uh, with remote becoming more applicable in different industries, so a lot of security initiatives have been uh, rolled out to secure remote workers. And so as companies start looking at it into other aspects of, say, OSHA, insurance, responsibilities, employee conduct, work-life balance, looking at all of that, uh, you know, the, the natural one that everybody went to very quickly is salary adjustments. You know, we all had to do that. But salary adjustments is only part of that. The second part of it is really about how do employees really want to work? What makes them effective? And it depends on the type of work that people do. Uh, and in some instances, we need them to be 100%. In some instances, we can be 100% somebody working somewhere else. And then there are others in between. And there are different models, and and you know, for to his credit, our president uh, Stuart went ahead and put together a committee uh, on the tail end of uh, pandemic that that basically polled the whole campus in terms of their perception, 
their likes, their wants, their needs. Uh, and based on that, the university came up with uh, a model where we have specific types of jobs with specific justifications can work remotely. And then there are others where the decision-making uh, really got relegated down to low level of management so that a supervisor can make so many decisions much more than they used to be able to for employee time off. Uh, and then in between, we have those who need temporary accommodations, you know, four weeks, six weeks, two months, three months. And, and so we have a, a mixture of opportunities for supervisors and managers to utilize. That has helped a little bit, but there for a while, we were bleeding quite a bit on losing uh, skilled staff. And we've been able to stem that a little bit with the changes we have made. But coupled with that, one of the things we have done is so uh, for many years, we've always encouraged employees uh, for training, technical trainings and certifications that are paid for. Uh, we have ramped that up a little bit, but we have, we have increased more than technical training. Uh, we have also increased more of the soft skills that they need, you know, things like project management, customer service skills, communication skills, in addition to specific technical topics. And of course, you know, other areas of, of universities are also doing things like AI, uh, robotic <clears throat> programming and things like that. The uh, support, customer support side, we, we are changing into service now to get more into that mode. We're also using service now more into the security piece of it so that uh, in, in a higher end where we don't have 100% oversight and control of all IT resources, one of the challenges is how do we take different departments, different colleges, staff in those areas, be able to be part of the team. So we've been doing a good, I think a good job in uh, keeping us all together on training, keeping them informed, keeping a communication flow. But now we're getting the tools that we need to keep them connected. One of the, uh, both from the security side and from the endpoint protection side and the ability to then give them actionable, useful information from scans versus just simply saying, I can't let you on the network versus saying, this needs to be mitigated. Here's where you go. Here's how you do it and then put them back on the network. So a lot more of that is going on. It's a scale issue always in a higher ed. We are R1 uh, with a huge population of students. We are, you know, we are right about getting into the mid forties. Uh, and so when we get into that mode and we have thousands of faculty and staff, some are doing restricted research, uh, scaling all of that in a manner that makes sense is, is always a challenge. And continuing to train our own people to help everybody else uh, is, is another part of it. The, um, the I mean, we're also doing the standard life cycle upgrades and stuff Ooh. during the pandemic. A couple of things that happened. One of them was uh, basically we be, did not do any investment of infrastructures. Most of the infrastructures were basically cloud-based or software or licensing, but the hard infrastructure pieces, we did do some Wi-Fi pieces as we were coming back for remote access, but Wi-Fi can function by themselves. We've got to make the core backbone upgrades. We've got to make the all the distribution switches and things like that. So we're doing a fair amount of that. It'll be a rippling over the next few years. We'll do that. We're still also working with a strategic partner on 5G pieces of it. Uh, and also scaling out in terms of the other tools that uh, teachers need in classrooms, uh, in terms of teaching technologies. A lot of the work has been going on uh, tremendous amount. Some of the federal assistance uh, that came into the universities for pandemic 
uh, are being very useful use in addition to helping students, it's also helping the university upgrade some of the infrastructures for teaching uh, pieces of it. And so, you know, lecture capture types of things. So uh, there, there's a whole slew of things and, and doing this in the middle of a supply chain issue has been a challenge. Uh, things that used to take three to five days to get in or two to four weeks to get in, uh, the suppliers have told it will take four to six months. And one of the things that we all a pool of things that we ordered came in like eight months later. So in some respect, uh, things are catching up in some areas, but not in all the, the, the challenges. You don't have a good selection because sometimes vendors will say, okay, you ordered this particular types of models, but I can offer you this. So you may have to sidestep, be nimble, be flexible, and be able to adjust as you go just to get moving faster. Uh, so that's another piece of that that the folks are work, working on. And you know, high, high performance computing is another area for us. And, and we've done a fair amount uh, of upgrades on the cluster side, but clusters always go along with storage, uh, with environments, with power and cooling and all of that that goes along with that. So it's a constant cycle to keep that going for an R1 institution. And so th those are some of the big ones, uh, Jake. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm missing out uh, some of the things we're doing is like a full multi-factor piece of it because of the hackers. We've had multi-factor for uh, critical systems, but rolling it out across for everything, uh, we should, uh, we're going into a beta this come this fall and we'll be fully rolling it out come early 2023. And that should help a little bit on the security pieces for us. So there's so much here. I think so much that we can we can dive into. Uh, let's start with that Salesforce project that you mentioned at the beginning. I mean, you also talked about some of those, um, you know, standard lifecycle upgrades, some of that investment in infrastructure. Obviously, Salesforce predominantly cloud based. Um, but you know, when you think about a project of that scale of that magnitude. Uh, what sort of modernization, what sort of transformation did you need to do internally uh, with your IT team to make something like that possible? From the infrastructure side, we've been doing pretty well year by year, but I think from the team side, there's a lot more training, getting to uh, skill up some people in those areas. So one of the things that we did with uh, Salesforce is we actually created a customized training solution for Texas Tech. And... So we, we can then go in and create, um, based on what people are doing, for instance, uh, advisors will be doing something different versus the technical folks will be doing something different. The marketing folks will be doing something different. So what we did was we took the slew of all the training courses that uh, Salesforce has, and the, and, and the goal is to create customized uh, syllabus for folks to be able to, so if, if you're on an advising side, we can say, go here, and all the training they need to do is laid out for them. If you're doing marketing, all the type of things they need to learn is laid out for them. So for them, the training is free because we're paying for it upfront on the university side. So the training is a key piece. The other piece is, uh, uh, you know, our, our, our provost office have really been the spearheading group for this to get the student success part of it. And they've got a, a large number of uh, stakeholders involved from different groups. Uh, training advisors all the way down to administrators to the other colleges and departments uh, and working with the student groups. So they, they have a lot more people uh, now skilling up just like the, the skills are all different. Uh, in our case, we are skilling up on the technical side. Other folks are skilling up on functional pieces of the tools that they will be using. So a lot of that is going on. 
Uh, and so Salesforce is, is, is probably going to change overall how a landscape is going to look like technology-wise over the next year. And they've been a great partner for us. Uh, personally, I had not been involved with Salesforce, say, two years ago. Um, I, I just got introduced to them uh, basically last year. And so uh, in a year and a half, we've seen uh, what all capabilities they have, where they can go with this, and, and, and their folks have been really, really helpful for us. You talked about how difficult it is to sort of keep uh, all of the different, without that full oversight of all IT, how difficult it can be to sort of keep everyone together. Uh, and I imagine how how hard that must be when you're talking about projects of that scale, right? It's you're, you're bringing different teams, different people, um, different departments, different colleges, all together to to make decisions, all together to to drive progress on, on a project like that. I mean, what what goes into that from from your perspective? Obviously, you're not the only person that has to keep everyone together, but um, you know, when you're thinking about how to approach something like that, I mean, what are you thinking about? How are you how are you doing that work? About um, maybe about eight to ten years ago, we had a consultant uh, that came in, looked at our landscape uh, overall, trying to make uh, how to make IT more efficient and more useful for campus, and and they basically provided only two major ones because we had been working on this for twenty years uh, in terms of uh, IT pieces, and. The two major things that they had recommended, one of them was consolidation of all IT staff at the university under the CIO's office. Uh, the second piece of it was about consolidation of software pieces for people writing their own code. And so we've been working on both sides of that. Now, I met with the president, CFO, provost at that time, and uh, uh, my recommendation at that time was we do not consolidate all IT staff under one roof. Mainly because, I mean, I've been in higher ed close to 40 years now. Uh, higher ed is quite different than an industry side. There is so much need that people have in functional areas for IT folks in, that need to exist. You cannot just lump everybody into one area and then dispatch people accordingly. It may work for a small, uh, smaller institution, a four-year college maybe. It does work. I've seen it work well. Uh, it may even work for a little bit uh, for research institutions if they're smaller. But really getting to an R1 institution level that Texas Tech is in, there is a need for IT staff that are very skilled in the functional side to assist faculty members and researchers. So uh, at that time in, in my discussion with the president, provost, CFO, and the deans, uh, my recommendation was that the deans consolidate within their college to prevent waste. Uh, so we did some basic parameters there. And then we have a point of contact that we can work at the college. Uh, the other piece of it is no replication of what the university already provides. Because the whole issue was cutting off waste. Uh, and, and sometimes when you replicate things, it isn't just that it's another tool. It is all the infrastructure that goes behind supporting that tool in terms of help the support, integration support, security issues. And so trying to streamline down to what the institution needs. So the way we did that was we involved faculty and staff in the selection of key tools. And so they helped to pick the tools that's going to work for them and then we'll support it. And then, then we draw the line and say, okay, these are the tools that are provided. Beyond that, we will look for exceptions. If there are specific exceptions that will accommodate those. And the other piece of it is we also solidified all the networking pieces that belongs to central IT 
the security pieces, the security policies, all the way right up to the jack. Uh, we manage that piece of it. So it gives us some control on the back end on what tools to utilize. The other piece was also then providing, I mentioned earlier, providing software tools to assist employees who don't report in central IT, but be able to take advantage of the tools I'm paying for. You know, we do things like case, we do defend out the security tool service now, and other things like that. But the training is another piece of it. We do twice uh, an advanced training, security training for departmental IT staff that we get hundreds of people attend from the departments so that they are keeping up on their knowledge in terms of where things should be, what the institution structure is like. We have an electronic list that we keep track with them regularly. And we do a lot of one-on-ones with folks like that. And, and also then there is another piece that we do, which is a review part. We review all security procurement that has to do with networks, with securities, anything beyond a certain dollar limit. We review all of those things. And recently, state of Texas uh, also have uh, what they call a text ramp, so that at any time an institutional data goes onto a cloud, whether it's stored, processed, uh, then that needs to go through a specific set of approvals by DIR security office, or we can do a provisional by us reviewing the SOC to a hackbed or uh, documents like that. So there's been a, so many different areas people have been positioning things to secure the environment. Our goal is how can we facilitate the students to do what they need to do, faculty need to do what they need to do, uh, and we need to keep all of this other work behind the scene and not clutter it up out in the user community. So, and that takes a fair amount of training and challenge and coordination, and also a lot of a lot of bridge building with departments and with colleges. And, and I think that's, that's a key part of it that, uh, you know, about easily three, four colleges have senior IT leadership that work for us. So they know our environment. Uh, we work with them very well. Uh, they, they, you know, so that, that building those bridges over the years have been very helpful. We have a good, a good uh, selection of deans and vice presidents that we work with very, very uh, collaboratively. Uh, giving us early heads up is key, is crucial. Uh, when they tell us something is coming, they work with us in concert so that we can identify solutions for them even before they go to the procurement phase. Those are things that helps our procurement, our general counsel, our procurement contracting folks are key partners in all of this. So it's not just a one-time thing of saying it's a distributed IT issue. It's the overall university community working together so that they get to do what they need to do and, and we can provide services and secure it at the same time. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's very, very cultural. Uh, I, I think we have a, a culture that facilitates that. And when people come in from other places, uh, generally it takes a little bit of time just for them to see that, uh, that we are willing to work with them to get to do what they need to do. And sometimes what they find is the faculty colleagues they're working with or the staff they're working with are the ones telling them, you know, this structure works, work with, you know, IT, IT will work with you. And so it, it, it propagates. And, and to, to, to be see every now and then we drop the ball and we get to own up and clean it up and move on. And sometimes we, we have to make sure our own leadership within IT areas understand that, uh, you know, that, that you don't circle the wagons uh, because you made a mistake. Own it up, clean it up, move on. Sam Seagrin, Chief Information Officer of Texas Tech University. You can read more about him and enrollment data management at edscoop.com and in the show notes for this episode.
Nominations are open for the inaugural EdScoop 50 Awards. EdScoop is looking to recognize outstanding leadership in university IT, online learning, and technology. The awards also highlight innovative higher ed technology projects and contributions in industry. Visit edscoop.com edscoop50 to read more about the awards and make your nominations by August 12th. Voting opens August 26th. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. The show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help make it happen, and the entire team contributes. Until next time, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.